1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Perry, Merrick Scope Jared Mack on the show for your Friday edition. Um, when you listen to this, we're probably going to be in the car driving to Pullman. Maybe we'll listen to it in the car. I don't know. I hey, kind of weird. <laughs> but uh, Friday edition of the of the uh, podcast, getting you ready for Oregon at Washington State. Cougars are three and zero on the season. Ducks two and one, ranked fifteenth in the AP poll. Cougars receiving votes. Um, I think they probably have the best win of the season, going to a Wisconsin house and winning there, but they're not ranked. I think that probably does a little bit with the name of their school and the recognition that they have, but Oregon has a big win. Uh, Washington has a big win. Um, There's been some others throughout the league as well. This is a big game from a conference perspective. Uh, It's a show me game. I think for both schools and the ducks are going in with. I pretty much a healthy lineup. We, we, we're basically tracking two guys that we, that are, their status is kind of unknown right now. That's Justin Flow at linebacker, running back Byron Cardwell. Both guys participated at practice um, in limited capacity. Don't know much more than that. Landing's not telling us, which I kind of understand. Um, we've talked about at length on this show the other injuries. Nothing has changed there, um, long term and short term wise. So it, it's certainly going to be a game where. For me, it's a show-me game. If Oregon is truly as good as we think they are, guys, they should win this one. They're about a seven-point favorite. I haven't checked the updated lines yet, but they were about a touchdown favorite. Um, if Washington State is as good as they should be, they should be in contention, and they should be able to win this game. It's it's a, For me, it's a very telling game for both squads.
1: Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement there um, because – what Oregon hasn't done is shown they can do it on the road, right? Yeah. I mean, they just they, – they've got dismantled in Atlanta. Obviously, Georgia's going to be nearly impossible to beat anywhere in the country. Like, if that game was in Eugene, you couldn't convince me that game is probably that close. Like, I bet if that game was in Eugene, is it – does Oregon get a couple touchdowns? Maybe. Does Georgia score a few couple, fewer touchdowns? Maybe. But you, I'm thinking that game's still, like, at least five score difference. Like, that's – those teams aren't – that that's just a different animal. So, that, that part – you know, I'm not putting too much stock into, oh, man, Oregon can't win on the road based upon losing that game, but they haven't done it yet. You know, They went home and played two really, really good games at home. I think that stands out. Um, <clears throat> you know, We were talking a little bit off air after we did the podcast with Jamie Vinnick, a Kook fan, which I would encourage you guys to listen to, Jared and I and, and Jamie about the Bo Nix quarterback splits, and I, I posted it. Uh, Jared wrote a story on it. I ended up including it on some of my Scopal stuff this week. His home and away splits are are pretty startling. You know he's been absolutely incredible at home as a quarterback. Do we? Should I run? Th- I'm going to run through it just really quick. i guess it's the, If we're doing a key to the game, this is one of mine. It's just like you need Bo Nix to play really well. Um, but here's what here's what Bo's done at home versus on the road. He's had 20 home games in his career, including Oregon and Auburn. He's 16 and four in home games, 65 percent completion percentage, averaging about 230 yards passing per game, 30 touchdowns, two interceptions, 14 rushing touchdowns. A QBR of about 150. Those are awesome numbers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you get on the road or away from home, he is 6 of 11 in 17 away or neutral games. His completion percentage is about 55%. He's thrown 16 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 7 rushing touchdowns. His QBR drops to about 108, and he's averaging just about 200 yards passing per game. It's a pretty stark difference. you know. And those, those go from being... You know The first numbers I ran ran through, those are all American caliber numbers. 30 touchdowns, two interceptions. If you do that for a full season, that's, there aren't a lot of quarterbacks who have that kind of a ratio. That's really impressive. The, the fact is, when you look at the other side, he's got a one-to-one ratio on the road. So, And I know some of that is 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 the difficulties of playing in the SEC versus the difficulties of playing on the Pac-12, but I just think it's notable. I just think it's notable because Oregon hasn't shown yet that they can win on the road yet under Bo Nicks. They only had one opportunity and it was against a team they weren't going to beat, I don't think. But Bo didn't play very well in that game either. So I, I think this is going to be really telling with him because I, I'll be honest, like the last week or so I've been kind of getting into the, hey, Bo Nix is pretty darn good kind of rhythm of like, yeah, maybe Oregon's got something really good going here on offense. I think we're going to learn a lot more about kind of what he is and what this offense can be when they when they take their show on the road here.
0: Oh, yeah, 100% agree. I think those, those stats and – yeah, I got, I got a comment or two about, you know, obviously players perform better at home than they do on the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. But if you look at the, the comparison of those two stats, it's night and day. It's an unbelievable difference in player uh, uh, player performance at a home game and an away game. Um, and I think that kind of leads me to, I think one of my keys to the game is turnovers um, for both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like Matt, this will be a show-me game of, of how both teams operate. Um, in a higher pressure scenario, uh, Washington State turns turns the ball over and gets a bunch of turnovers. Yeah, you know, they have eight turnovers as a team this year, but seven turnovers forced as a team this year. Um, so they're turnover prone. So I think you know whatever team is gonna is gonna win this game is gonna have fewer turnovers than the other. Um, but I think if you're from Oregon's perspective, you had the two turnovers with Nick's against Georgia, but. I don't know, man. Like Eric said earlier, you know, I put a lot of uh, don't put a lot of thought in that Georgia game because that was just such a, a mismatch. Um, I think that again, I, that would be a mismatch to 99% of the teams in the country, probably other than Ohio State and Alabama. And we'll see Georgia and Bama probably in the SEC championship game, and we'll see if that's a mismatch there. But the the turnovers for Oregon side haven't really come and i know they i think they lost a fumble out of bounds and that's that's very nice for oregon but ball ball security and ball control have been pretty good to start and you know no no fumbles by the running backs nicks other than those two interceptions against georgia had the deflected pass against eastern washington but against a much better byu team you know he made the correct decision nearly every time didn't put any ball up in the air for grabs um what he's been doing what Nick specifically has been doing at Oregon this season is very impressive. He's completing over 70% of his passes. Um, and again, you know, his best se- potentially his best statistical college season was 2019 with Kenny Dillingham. This is his second year working with them. It seems like they got a real rhythm and a real flow. And I think Oregon's offense, at least in my perspective, is much better than what I had anticipated. Um, and turnovers are going to you know, take away chances for Oregon to score the rock. And I think if they have as many opportunities as possible, I think that they're going to sneak in there. Um, uh, Washington State defense is, is stout on paper. Um, their competition, specifically Wisconsin, uh, they, Wisconsin had a lot of yards, but they turned the ball over a bunch. And I okay. think if Oregon is in that same spot, if you put Oregon's numbers and Washington, Wisconsin's numbers and they're the same at the end of the game, but Oregon doesn't turn the ball over, I think that's a completely different game.
2: I didn't give a key, but mine goes exactly with both. both of you guys are talking about, and it's very cliche, win the trenches. Because Bo Nix talked about it. When he gets into this rhythm in the first half, last two games, uh, I think he was 10 for 10 to start the game against Eastern Washington, uh, 8 for 9 in the first half against BYU. And he brought up the fact that, A, it's – Kenny Dillingham getting some play calls you know easy successful plays to get him into rhythm but B he said it's the offensive line in the run game getting Oregon ahead of the sticks and they're not being in positions of third and eight third and nine third and ten plus where they have to throw deep shots because that's where he said turnovers happen and that's where bad Bo Nix probably shows up what Eric was talking about so for me it's very cliche but if Oregon's offensive line can replicate like what Jared said, what Wisconsin did a- against the Cougars, and then Oregon just <clears throat> execute, don't don't make costly, self-inflicted mistakes, they should be fine. We shouldn't get the bad Bo Nix experience because he's not going to have to be asked to to throw the ball deep and, and to throw the ball 40 times uh, in this game. It's going to be a lot similar to what we've seen the last two weeks where it's 20 or less, or even, you know, 25 or maybe 30 at the max from an attempt standpoint. And then on the other side of the football, it seems it's very boring. But if Oregon can generate pressure with four guys, that means they can drop seven into coverage, which helps cover up Oregon's deficiencies opposite Christian Gonzalez uh, at cornerback and in the secondary. Bennett Williams, Jamal Hill, Steve Stevens, those guys can – they don't have to worry about coming up and stopping the run and instead can provide, you know, over the top help to Oregon's cornerbacks that are opposite Christian Gonzalez. So very simple, very boring. If if Oregon can dominate and do well in the trenches on both sides, they're going to be in a position where they're going to walk out of this game with, I think a, a pretty good, impressive win um, against the Cougars. Now it's easier said than done. It's on the road. Like Eric said, we haven't seen how this team, handles a road environment since georgia and it wasn't good um that was a road game in my mind uh and that's you know something to watch for how does this team respond how does bo nicks respond how does the defense respond what have you before we dive into our game picks um let's we're going to circle back i don't know if if our listeners remember this if you're new uh we did a, a stock plan with jared he, he put up a you know, buy and sell of some stocks from players. Um, we're not selling anybody today. I don't think we're cashing in our chips on any on any of our stock options, but with, we're going to get a stock update of where things currently stand with where we invested all our money or make-believe yeah. money, I should say. Yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's, just it's, not, it's not real An money. money.
1: I, I, don't <laughs> have, I, don't, I don't have $500 to spend this 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 way. So uh, On college players? No? Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't.
0: Yeah. So, so like Matt said, if you're new here, uh, this is just a, uh, basically, uh, fantasy football for collegiate athletes for Oregon specifically. Um, I made some formula that made it so that each player had a price per share. And then we got $500 of fictitious dollars and, uh, put it into some investments. So, so far in the season, we're through three weeks, obviously, uh, Eric Scopel is leading the three of us. He is plus $256 there we go um, I am second I am plus 250 dollars at 750 and Matt is in third at 609 so he's plus 109 dollars um the big returns for scopal and I were obviously the Justin flow because of his low price per share and then his decent stats to start the season um yeah, okay. Matt did well on Troy Franklin who was really impressive to start this year I changed, so this week I changed up the formula because I listened to some comments and I listened to Eric as well about that touchdowns should probably count for a little bit more than just nothing. So touchdowns do count for more. Um, Mm. So for the two biggest dollar makers were Flo and Franklin, um, offensively and defensively. Um, Terrence Ferguson was another big, big mover. Um, Defensively, there's not a lot of big movers outside of Flow just because I thought all the players were stocked appropriately and frankly none of oregon's defense has great stats to start the year Uh, i think jamal hill is probably the best but um let me find his i don't think i
1: bought any jamal hill did Matt buy terrence ferguson
0: i bought 50 shares of terrence ferguson
1: i bought more than that i think
0: yeah eric you bought where's ferguson eric you bought 29 shares of terrence Uh, ferguson 29
1: okay i knew i bought a lot Liar. yeah I, I thought it was more than that. It felt like I put all my eggs in the Ferguson basket.
0: That's why yeah, stock fraud. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, Eric and I put a lot of money into Seven McGee, who has not not done well so yeah, far. Yeah, that's
1: been a that's been a bad start. Eric, question.
0: you've made nine dollars off Seven McGee, and oh, I have made boy. six. So
1: and I, had however. I had quite a bit of Franklin. How much should I put in Franklin? I'm, I'm just curious now because it's been a while since I've looked at this. I'm I'm I'm, I'm asking you to do my like stock. Uh, <laughs> Eric, you <laughs> had 20,
0: 20.92 shares of Franklin. Uh-huh. At, there you go. That was turns out to be fifty dollars originally. Um, you now have ninety seven dollars. So you gained forty seven. Matt, you had twenty five. Your twenty five dollar plan raised you twenty three dollars. So now you're at forty eight for your Franklin share. Um, my Ferguson, my Dante Thornton is is pretty good too. So I'm like I'm liking that. But Ferguson, I am plus fifty-nine dollars on right now. Oof. Um so yeah, that's uh okay. that's All about right. it. There's not a not a lot of I, big risers.
2: I'm in uh a, a rewatch of billions, and I'm gonna suggest next season we provide shorts and <laughs> I <high>, like shorts. <laughs> we don't have, or, we don't have uh, too many or- players. Or maybe we do some options where we can buy some stock for cheap and sell, you know, cash in later.
1: I'm into it. I I, I think we can build off of it. I was I I'm surprised I'm ahead because I, I in my mind it's funny because the stats are interesting because I was like I know I did a ton of flow and to my perspective because he missed a game and he was pretty quiet against Eastern because he got I think dinged up there. I was like oh I don't know how much I'm gonna get out of that but it sounds like he's getting me some money and then I thought my Ferguson Franklin one two punch was. Was pretty good, but I didn't really remember what else I did offensively. I knew I didn't, I didn't think I had much of anything on defense that that had. I'm I'm surprised. I'm I'm in the lead, I guess, is what I'm saying.
0: Defense defense is tough. There's not a lot of so far, at least. There's not a lot of big gainers. Um, I, I mean, DJ Johnson has done well. Brandon Dorless, uh Bennett Williams, just guys that you would kind of expect to have the best stats on Oregon's defense this year, but um, a lot of guys haven't done significantly better and raise their stock price
2: yeah Yeah, i'm not surprised i'm in last i i didn't go the explosive high risk perspective i went the long haul so i'm i my my hope is the last quarter of the season is when Mm -hmm. i if i have a chance that's when i would make the move to surpass you guys
1: Matt, if, you were like it you were a reasonable investor, though. I I, I was very unreasonable. <laughs> this is not, by the way, this is not how I would operate in real life with my actual stock. I'm like a I, I do I buy I buy like all my stuff is in bonds. I don't even go into stocks. Oh. I like, those are too Those are too wild man. to too up. Is and it down. the eighties?
2: The nineties? <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I'm just like very conservative with my investing. So this is not. I would probably follow the Matt the Matt approach in in real life if, if we were. Doing it's it funny you actual, mentioned like,
2: bonds. My parents are moving. And they literally found like, I guess every year for my birthday growing up, this is nothing to do with this podcast, but I've already said it. <laughs> yeah, it's well um,
0: already going down the they,
2: road. Every year for my birthday growing up, my my grandparents would buy me like savings bonds and my parents found them. Apparently they were lost. I had no idea that they were lost, oh. uh, but they, but they found them and they've given to, them to me as they get ready to move across country. And it's like, Cool. This is appreciated, but it's like zero point oh oh one percent per year. Excellent. <laughs>
1: nice. I was just gonna say big money, but maybe not.
2: No, maybe yeah, not. No, no, not big money. Uh let's let's end this financial talk <laughs> on the podcast. We'll take a quick break. Uh and when we come back, we'll dive into this game and make some predictions and end it with a score prediction. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Uh, Oregon at Washington State. Fox, Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman on the call. 1 p.m. kickoff. Kind of surprised. It's the 1 p.m. kickoff um, for this game. Was thinking we'd get um, the same crew we had last week. Fox's number two team, but we're getting a different one. Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman. Um, we're going to go into this one offensive. Team, offensive player, defensive team, defensive player, and the score prediction. Um, offensive team, I'm going with the offensive line. I think they play good. Uh, zero sacks so far this season. Um, they're one of four teams in the country to, to have that stat. I think zero sacks is intact after the oh. fourth game of the football season. Part of that is... What I said last week about BYU and Bo Nix, um, I think his escapability can help allow some you know, potential sacks to, to not be them, not get, get completed. So I, I'm going zero sacks for the offensive line against Washington State, which would kill their amazing 14-sack ratio for three games stat for Washington State.
1: I was gonna say that's a pretty bold one. That's a spicy one, Matt. I like it um, because, but, but as you said, and, and Matt, I think you were the first one to kind of recognize this. When you look at the 14 sacks, 13 of them came against Idaho and Colorado State, only one against Wisconsin. So they've kind of feasted on the lesser mm-hmm. teams so far, and that does stand out a little bit when you look at their just all those expl- those uh, disruptive, those havoc plays that that have yeah. kind of. I mean, they're really impressive. The stats are crazy. 14 sacks. Oh yeah. 30 tackles for loss, but pretty much all of those, you know, a large part of those came against the weaker teams. Um, And Oregon, certainly from an offensive line perspective, as Matt said, I mean, they've been awesome in pass protection. And I I don't know if I go go, go quite that bold, but I do expect the offensive line to have success, which kind of leads me into my prediction as well here, which is, you know, Washington state has been really disruptive. They've also limited teams to running the ball very effectively, both, you know, both of the lesser teams, Idaho and Colorado State, less than 70 yards rushing, which is – that's impressive, regardless of that's a block. You, you're, you're impressed with that. Wisconsin ran it for 174 yards. Wisconsin is known to be big up front, physical, run for a lot of yards. And to Washington State's credit, they limited them to a pretty, pretty impressive number there. And part of that was because of the turnovers they forced and, and the fact that they were able to get some disruptive plays. I think they still had six tackles for loss in that game, which is a pretty good number. Um, against Wisconsin, so I, I'm going to have Oregon running for more yards than Wisconsin, 175 yards or more in this game. I almost went 200, decided to kind of be a little bit more conservative in part because the Scope of Domus column has been just—it's uh, it, been a lot of gas, not not a lot of, not a lot of hits here. I'm 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 two for 15 in my predictions so far. I got my first two right last week. I'll also note just to just to pat myself kind of on the back. The three I missed were so close. I I was very close to having like a five. Only five. counts
0: in horseshoes and hand grenades. I, I know.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> if 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 BYU has twenty six more yards, I hit one. If Franklin has sixteen more yards, if Dorlis has half one more half the tackle for loss, I hit I hit another one. I mean, it's just so close, so close. But I digress. I'll, uh, I'll, Sounds like my parlays, man. Yeah. Well, so close. Had, yeah, you said you had a big one last week, so good for you. No uh, Pats. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a, I've got Oregon running for 175 or more yards.
0: I talked about this in the opening. Oregon needs to control the rock, and I think they're under one and a half turnovers. I kind of went with the average of what Washington State has forced in you know, seven turnovers, three games to you know, above two per game. I think they'll, I think Oregon will turn the ball over probably once. I'm not sure how, but with a with a defense like Washington State, who's I think had multiple turnovers and. 14 of their last 16 games. It might be 15 of their last 17. Um, I, I, I don't remember if that stat was before or after Colorado State. It's, it's impressive. This is what they do. This is how they stay in games. This is how they stayed in the game against Wisconsin. This is how they won against Wisconsin. It goes back to my point earlier of if Oregon controls the rock and limits their turnovers, especially in the red zone, I think that they'll A, be able to rush against Washington State and B, I think they're just the, the the far better team. I think they're just the superior team, and in talent, and well, and and especially on on the, on the offensive end, I think they'll be able to score points. i you know, Cam Ward is a tremendous quarterback for Washington State. I just they're the rest, of what's around him, probably isn't isn't as good as he is. So, I think Oregon finishes with under one and a half turnovers on Saturday.
2: I like it. I like that. I'm offensive player. I said we'd get the full Nix experience against BYU, and I'm going to press this, Whoa. and maybe I'm going to get burned. I think we get a good Nix game. The stats mm. don't suggest it when he plays away from the road, away from home, like Eric said. But this year, he's just astronomically better than statistically than he's been, and any previous season. Um, He's 83.3% completion percentage in the first half. Uh, That's fifth among FBS quarterbacks this season in the country. He's completing 76.7% of his passes in the first half, uh, which is sixth in the nation. And his five touchdown passes in the first half this year are tied for 13th. I, I just think, I don't know what it is. If it's, it's Dillingham knowing, you know, the history with Bo and if it's Bo's history with Dillingham and the maturity of a senior, a fourth year guy. But I mean he's completing 70% of his passes. His career high was last season at sixty-one. I mean, that's a I understand it's a three game sample, but that's a big jump from you know last year to this season. I just think Bo Nicks is gonna have a really good game against Washington State. And he's going to complete over 60% of his throws. He's going to see a slight dip. Okay. He's right. not going to turn the ball over. And he's going to account for at least three touchdowns in this football game. I, I just think he's going, to, he's going to come away as the clear, better quarterback between him and Cam Ward.
1: Yeah, we haven't noted it yet. Both these quarterbacks are highly regarded transfer quarterbacks and in fact if you're looking at the upcoming oregon schedule that's like makes up most of the opponents because this conference is loaded with transfer quarterbacks that was kind of the story yeah. of the offseason. a lot of teams went out on the market and found new quarterbacks stanford obviously not a new quarterback but arizona will have a new quarterback and he was washington state's quarterback last year um we don't have to go through the entire sch- schedule but you look even after that there's a couple other ones that are, are, are new our are new quarterbacks from other schools and Words have been kind of up and down, but you know, Matt, I ran through the negative stuff earlier on Knicks, but I'm with you on this one. I'm, I'm actually going, we get, I'm, I'm with you on, we get good Bo Nicks again. And I'm, 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 I'm probably more hesitant here because the stats were so jarring when I looked at it. You know, I was honestly just kind of like, because Jared, you, you mentioned offhand, like, you should go look, you should go look at those home and away splits. And then I went and looked at them and went, oh, those are way worse than I thought they could be. Yeah. Now. But I, I I feel like, and maybe I'm gonna get burned. I feel like kind of like Matt. I'm kind of preparing myself that maybe this isn't gonna play out. But I I just I feel like something's different here. And I think Bo Nix has been tremendous the last two games. I think as long as the team can win on first and second down, he's been really good on third down because those third downs have been manageable because Oregon has won on first and second and they've been short yardage. With, you know, six yards, six seven yards at most they can avoid some of those disruptive plays. And this comes back to the offensive line, which I talked about establishing the run game. So if I think they're going to run for 175 yards, that means that those third downs won't be as difficult. That means that the offense will have some momentum. And once you get into the red zone, he's been really good the last couple of games. So I am i didn't do quite as many in-depth predictions as Matt, but I did, I did kind of take the third one he used there as well. I have three or more offensive touchdowns for Knicks. Could be a couple on the ground, could be a couple through the air. But I think Knicks is – Once again, you know, pretty involved in the offense and and plays really well.
0: I like both of those predictions. I thought about going heavy Knicks as well, Uh, just because he has time in the pocket. I mean, Oregon's pass blocking has been just dominant this year. It's been unbelievable. However, because Knicks does so well, it's third and shorts, like Eric mentioned. That's because they have a good running back. So I have Marquise Irving, or Bucky Irving, excuse me, Bucky. Uh, going for 100-plus yards again on Saturday. Um, I think he's solidified himself as the number one back, um, and I think Oregon is very okay with that. Uh, Byron Cardwell, again, like as we mentioned on the very, very, very beginning of the show, uh, you know, he was kind of limited in practice this week, and he might not get a lot of reps. Uh, Noah Whittington seems to be the number two, and Sean Dollars is either the third down back or whenever they need to get him another rep, they just kind of pop him in there. Um, I think uh, Jordan James obviously is a power back, but I think Irving is the blend of both. Um, You know, he didn't do a lot of pass catching last week, but he was so great in breaking tackles and running upfield and running hard. Dan Lanning said he ran violently, which is kind of scary, but uh, that's what Bucky Irving does. So I have him over 100 yards, and I think uh, that that really helps solidify Oregon's offense, just like it has the last couple of weeks.
2: All right, team pick here, defense. Um, I think Washington State's going to move the football a little bit here. Um, I think Cam Ward will have some success throwing the football. But what's going to separate this game, I think, is the turnovers. And Washington State is certainly a team this season that's been able to create A lot of turnovers, a lot of havoc plays, if you will. Um, I I, I think Oregon, though, is going to be on the beneficiary side of this. Cam Ward's going to try and maybe play for play match Bo Nix, and there's going to be a little bit of pressure on Washington State, I think, in this game um, to kind of keep pace with Oregon because they're going to have a hard time stopping the offense. And that's going to lead to some sloppy, risky plays by the Cougars. And whether it's a tipped ball at the line of scrimmage from someone like Casey Rogers, which gets intercepted, or maybe it's a a bobbled pass or a deflection that gets nabbed or an overthrow, I think Oregon's secondary is going to have two interceptions in this game. I'm not saying that they're going to be lights out, that they're going to get, you know, they're going to lock everything down, but they're just going to be opportunistic. There's going to be some things that just go their way at maybe the opportune time, and it leads to a couple turnovers. Uh Oregon has two interceptions in this football game, which kind of ends up being the difference in Oregon potentially pulling away.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting matchup the more you kind of dig into it. If you look at like the havoc stats because I did this for um my five keys to the game, like Oregon has very few defensively. Washington State has a ton, and so you kind of look at it as it's a Washington State defense that's super aggressive that it, that goes out there and, and kind of forces the issue. Guess what? The Oregon offense hasn't allowed a sack all season. They've had two turnovers with the starting unit in, and those both came against Georgia. So it's an Oregon offense that's been really good at protecting the football against a Washington State defense that forces the issue. And then the other side, it's a Washington State offense that turns the ball over quite a bit, gets sacked, gives up a lot of sacks against an Oregon defense that doesn't really force a lot of sacks or create a lot of turnovers. So it's kind of this weird, you know. Combination of like you know the Washington State defense is really aggressive. The Oregon offense is good against aggression. The Oregon defense isn't that aggressive, but the Washington State defense so far has been or offense has been pretty turnover prone. So I I don't know what to expect really with the turnover stuff. But I I think Washington State has been consistently even against Eastern Washington or sorry even against Idaho and Colorado State have been kind of just kind of giving the ball away. So. I might regret it because Oregon's defense hasn't really shown the you know, the propensity to do it. They have two turnovers, and they both came against an FCS opponent. They haven't turned over an FBS team yet, even in an impressive win against BYU. They lost their turnover battle 1-0, and I understand that turnover came with the backup quarterback in for Oregon. But I have Oregon forcing three turnovers here. Um, I think I took it up one from Matt. Um, you know, I, I think Ward has, and you go and watch the plays where he turns it over, when he kind of steps up and tries to fit it in a tight window, he's had a hard time kind of anticipating safety help. Like the interceptions haven't been like, um, you know, bad throws where he just throws it to the wrong shoulder or the receiver, you know, can't collect the ball and it goes flying in the air. It's been, he tries to put it in a a really tight window where, Hey, you know, if the safety is not coming through, maybe it's a touchdown, but the safety dives across and, and, and grabs it. So, I think he's going to make a couple mistakes like that and i do think oregon defensively can be more opportunistic than they have been so far so i've got three forced turnovers for the defense
0: yeah i got another turnover prediction again it goes back to what i said i'm with eric i have over two and a half um basically for the same reasons i think this is cam ward is, is obviously very talented and i think you know like something like next year with a full offseason season after a full season of pac 12 football i think he could be really really special um I think it's still very early into his career. I think Oregon's going to take advantage of that. I think um, this is going to be a very, very poor comparison, but the Patriots would always feast on rookie quarterbacks because of how well they could hide their defenses. And this is this is Dan Lanning's thing. He's a defensive guy, Tosh LePoi defensive guy. This is an opportunity to try to confuse a quarterback, and I think it gets done a couple times. Um, Maybe there's a fumble as well, but I think most of these turnovers that are going to be forced are going to be through the air. Um, I think that Oregon's defense has been opportunistic when it can be. I think they've been kind of laid back and played to their strengths at other points. But I think that this Washington State offensive line is not what it's been in the past in terms of just talent level and ability to pass block or run block. I think Oregon's defensive front might actually have a good day at the office for maybe the first time this year. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of pressure and if Oregon can contain Ward with his legs, um I think there could be some mistakes that are made so Oregon over two and a half turnovers.
2: I like it. We're all kind of thinking in the in the same capacity on that one um, yeah. team an individual pick here I'm going defensive line um and it's i Make, tell me if I need to pick here. I'm picking like three guys collectively to do something. Is that too much of a team stat or do I need to pare it down? The-
0: I've got two guys, so I'm cool with that. You
1: guys are just over here breaking rules. This is supposed to be one individual, <laughs> but I'll, I'll allow it. I, I expect our, our scorekeeper at home, who I, I know there is somebody on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, we know who's doing it. Keeping a really close score. We'll take this. I'll pair time. it down
2: to two so I'm equal to Jared. That These way are, this insane.
1: will hopefully be hopefully the scorekeeper listening to this can understand. These will be partially graded. These aren't this is not an individual's competition anymore. <laughs> this is I'm going mm. to breaking rules. Right.
2: So Washington State is in the hundreds for sacks allowed this season. Eric kind of talked about it a little bit a minute ago. I, I think Oregon's front seven is going to get that pressure in this game. I, I don't know if it's going to be just unbelieving unwavering pressure by, by Oregon's D-line, but they're gonna get the ward. And so I'm saying uh Brandon Dorless and DJ Johnson are gonna hit the two and a half combined sack total uh in, in this game. There there's going to be sacks in this football game for Oregon. And I think DJ Johnson and Brandon Dorless will be the main culprits of that and they'll go over two and a half sacks in this football game.
1: Well I have I have Dorless having maybe no sacks, but DJ having two because that's my prediction. Oh, okay. Uh, DJ, DJ, we did not compare notes, by the way. Yeah, like, all, because, all our
2: predictions are very similar.
1: Well, I do post mine on my scope on the site. So maybe you guys have been reading, but clearly not, uh, which, is, which, is, which hurts me, which is, which is painful <laughs> to hear. Hey, I but, saw uh, your score prediction. I know what you're doing. Right, you know what I'm doing. Okay, fine. Um, no, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's kind of funny because DJ has had such a long career and, and you know, he's never had a multiple sack game. He has had four one sack games. He has four sacks his entire career which is not a lot, but I think there's an opportunity to have some production here. Matt ran through it. Um, you know, you look at what Washington state had had for the last several years. Abe Lucas was like an A plus left tackle. I, I think he's starting somewhere. I was watching an NFL game and uh, apologies to those listening who maybe are yelling what the answer is, but he was playing and made a, I think he either had a, a hold or gave up a sack, but um He's definitely starting somewhere or playing significant minutes somewhere in the Seahawks. NFL. Room. The Seahawks, okay, that's that's right. Okay, that that adds up. I was watch. I've watched both of their games. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I he was awesome for a really long time there, and arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the conference for two or three seasons. And he's gone now, and I think they've had a little bit of a hard time replacing that kind of anchor on that left side there. And now we'll see what Oregon can do in terms of getting pressure. And, and frankly, Oregon, I think we talked so much at the beginning, of this, this is kind of a show-me game for Oregon. A lot of the things I'm saying that they're going to do defensively are just things they haven't done previously. Like offensively, I've picked Nick's playing well. Well, we've seen that. I've said the run game will be good. Well, they've done that. Defensively, I'm, I'm saying they're going to force some turnovers, which they really haven't done, and I'm saying they're going to get after the quarterback, which they haven't really done, and we'll see. You know, We might come away from this game going – because we're all kind of predicting the same kind of defensive stuff. We might come away from this game going, man – Like, that was kind of disappointing. Washington State seemed ripe for the pickings for for some turnovers and some sacks, and they didn't do it. Or we might come away saying, wow, maybe they even overperform our our expectations and and, and outperform it, I should say, and and come away and you go, man, wow, they actually had four turnovers and they had seven sacks, and that was incredible. Um, This is kind of the start of the momentum on defense, but I just think there's opportunity in this game to get after the quarterback, and I think DJ gets two.
0: I like it. I certainly think that there's opportunity to get after the quarterback as well. I'm going with a combo. I'm going with two players combining for over 13 and a half tackles, which is Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill. Those guys have both been at the top of the tackle charts for most of the games this season. Um, and I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for safeties to come down, whether they're playing star or free and just come down and, and make a hit. Um, that's what Bennett did last week against BYU. Uh, Jamal Hill had a good day as well. Um uh, I, I just think that this is, this is probably a safer route, but I think there's that Washington State is still going to try to hit the perimeter on Oregon. I think they're going to do what BYU did in Eastern Washington, what Georgia did originally. Um, I, again, we we go to practice, and every once in a while, we'll see them work on, on tackling drills, and they're always about perimeter tackling. This is something that they've worked on. Multiple players have talked about for weeks now that they're tackling this perimeter issue basically all the time. And this might be the game where... People begin to say, "All right, all right. I think they I think they solved it a little bit." Um, because I thought that was against BYU, where people would say that, but BYU kept going after it. So I, I, I mean, I, I think that Washington State will try it, and I think that Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill are going to, I think they're gonna they're gonna showcase some of their talents in the, in those types of situations. Because I don't think that Washington State has the the better athletes to get around the corner like Georgia did, or occasionally like BYU did.
1: Can I can I jump right. in really quick, Matt? I just had one thing on the Jamal Hill yeah. part. He mm-hmm. he pointed out that he got—I don't know if you guys remember this—I had forgotten the very first play against Washington State last year. He got beat for a seventy-yard reception, and he said he's been thinking all, all all season about this matchup. This is like the matchup he's had circled on his schedule because that was to him like one of the the worst, be, like the worst, you know, beats he's had on in his career. So. I'm with Jared in terms of including Jamal there. I think he's potentially going to have a big game. This game this, this game means a lot to him because he was pretty disappointed he got beaten coverage like that last year.
2: All right, team picks. Um, Oregon is opened as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think as of 10 a.m. Friday morning, they're a seven-point favorite. So the line is basically stayed right about where it opened um, for this one. And I think Oregon is going to win. I think they're going to cover as well. Um, I'm buying into the fact that a lot of these stats that Washington State has produced that are pretty impressive are inflated by playing pretty significantly inferior talent. And when they played a good team, they won. They absolutely won. But Eric brought this up a couple days ago when we were talking about it. I went back and watched it. Um, Wisconsin just made a bunch of mistakes. They shot themselves in the foot a ton of times. They had plenty of opportunities to win that football game and they just failed. And Mm -hmm. you have to give credit to Washington state because they took advantage of those made mistakes by Wisconsin. But a lot of them really weren't like they were unforced errors. And those are the types of errors that can be corrected. And I think Oregon is a better team than Wisconsin. They have the better talent than Wisconsin. They certainly have the better talent on paper than in Washington state. And I just think this game is going to be played in the trenches. It's not going to be overly sexy or, you know, it's not going to be over the top bombs like we saw Troy Franklin. Um, It's just going to be the methodical seven yards, six yards. You can't stop us. We're going to chew up the clock. And then defensively, you're just going to face a lot of third and longs. you might, you might convert a couple of them. You're going to break some big plays on us, but for the most part, there won't be a lot of explosion plays. We're going to make you go the length of the football field because we think you're going to make a mistake. And sometimes those are the most impressive wins. And I think we're going to walk away with this one thinking, wow, Oregon played a really good game. There really wasn't any area in particular that you walk out saying they got exposed a little bit. And I'm picking Oregon to win 38-27, an 11-point win, for the ducks. And quite frankly, I think it's going to be closer to an 18 point game for most of it until a late touchdown by Washington state makes the score look a little better than, than anticipated. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm either going to get burned or I'm going to look Nostradamus because it's, I, I think Oregon's significantly better and we're, and they're going to see a, we're going to see a significantly better team win this game.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm what, what is your nickname? I don't know. Prima donnas. It sounds like prima donna is the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think that works.
2: Um, I'm, I'm sorry for I, I mean, just, introducing that. Just in the uh, maybe This is maybe some bad mojo to bring in here, but just the level of confidence is me. Like when that first Utah game last year, when we had that infamous Utah oh, attack on oh, us, oh, like no, that's no. just where I, that's just where I feel like, Oh uh, boy,
0: I got to change my pick now. Yeah,
1: we got to go <laughs> fade, fade Matt. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I, I I, don't know. This might be a consensus Oregon pick this week, which is interesting because I know when we did our preseason picks in, uh, gosh, it would probably have been either August or late July, something like that. I, I, I think Matt, uh, Jared and I, we both picked Washington State to win this game uh, during, during the offseason. And then Washington State's gone out and done everything right in terms of they went and they beat Wisconsin. I don't think we expected that. I know I did when I did my – predictions for what washington state's record would be this year because i think i had washington state winning seven maybe eight games but i had them losing to wisconsin um but i had oregon dropping this one in the preseason and i'm i'm moving away from that even though it's funny the first two weeks could not have gone probably I mean, if you would would have told me after two weeks I was going to pick Oregon to win this game, I would be like, well, that's weird because Oregon just got blasted by Georgia and and Wisconsin just lost to Washington State. So Washington State's been better than I expected. Oregon's been worse. But I I really was impressed by the BYU win. And I think the more I kind of look at some of the strengths and weaknesses of both these teams, it feels like what Washington State is really good at doing defensively, it it kind of could be mitigated by what Oregon does offensively. And defensively, I have some concerns, Uh, I'll be honest, because if Cameron Ward can not turn it over, and obviously I've predicted he will, there are some matchups here for Washington State that could get pretty, that are pretty attractive, just because Oregon's second corner has been abysmal. Um, You know, Tricos Bridges has been not good this year. And then the replacements have had moments, but as Dan Lanning has said, it's been inconsistent. So... I like Oregon. I think it's going to be lower scoring than what Matt predicted. Um, I do think they cover, but by like the slimmest of possible margins. I have Oregon winning 28 to 20. I think it's a really competitive game. I think it's, it's probably tied or one score game still at the half. And, and then honestly, it's just kind of like you're holding on, holding on the whole second half. And, and maybe it ends up being Cam Ward makes a mistake late. I I really think the quarterback play is what's going to differentiate this because I think I think Nix is going to outperform Cameron Ward. And I think that ultimately be the difference. But I have Oregon winning by one score 28 to 20.
0: I like it. Yeah, this one has been this one was an interesting week for me. Obviously, I was wrong on my BYU prediction, and I have certainly not heard the end of it. Um, I am going to pick the Ducks. I'll tell you my score in a bit. But, you know, Washington State's stats defensively really intrigued me. It was like this. This team just was an absolute animal on the defensive side of the ball. And after BYU, obviously there's a lot of confidence in Oregon's offense, and there should be because they they move the ball very well against a BYU team who's very good defensively and really had no problems doing it. Washington State, obviously the win over Wisconsin is huge for the program there. They're a 3-0 to start the season. I remember in the preseason, Eric and I looked at this like a trap game because you know it's the first road competition. Pullman has not been kind to Oregon. They played, I, I did this on my how to watch story. They played 12 times in the last 10 years or 12 years, excuse me. And Oregon's eight and four, but at one point they lost four in a row there. Um, not great. Uh, they've won the last three. Pullman is always a tough place to play as Dan Lanning's first Pac-12 conference road game, first conference game. There's a lot of things that could lead this to be a trap game or an upset. Um, I also still have terrible memories of Justin Herbert going in there in 2018 and getting shelled. Um, which again, it, there's, there's a possibility that they have that same "what the hell" moment with Bo Nix on the sideline this time around. And I'm paraphrasing. And what the? But uh, I do have Oregon winning this game. Um, I'm. I had to go through. I watched a lot of Washington State tape, which I didn't think I'd be doing, but I really did. I watched. Um, nearly the entire Wisconsin game, and I kind of came down to the same conclusion as Washington State or just won the game. Wisconsin shot themselves in the foot. They turned the ball over in the red zone. They turned the ball over way too many times. They had opportunities with Cameron Ward's interceptions. Um, I am worried like Eric is in terms of Oregon's second cornerback. Um, I'm worried, again, with their open field tackling, just because it wasn't really great against BYU it was improved it's much better than where it was week one but it needs to still get better um and Cameron Ward's ability to scramble could change the outcome you know if it's a third and six and Oregon's pass rush gets there and their coverage is great but he takes off for eight run eight yards you now that's a defeating it's a defeating conversion if you're Oregon's defense um overall however I have Oregon winning 36 24 so I have them winning oh. by 12 points Wow. I have them being the decisive victor in this situation because I think I feel confident in my predictions. I'm kind of like Matt. I'm not to that level of of the this is this is going to happen type of deal. But I think Oregon's defense is turning the corner. Um, I think that this is going to be their first chance to show what they could potentially be in their pass rush and their secondary. Um, this I'm not really worried about Washington State's weapons. I don't think that they're as talented. Um, as, as teams that Oregon has played this past two or three weeks, um, I, I just like Oregon to win here. I think that they're, they're the much better team. So I'm picking them to win and to
1: cover better weapons than can, Eastern Washington, though. Yes, 100%. Just to clarify,
2: can can Oregon's best defense be its offense? And I, re, I say that because you go back to what they've done the last two games. Um, I, I, and it's 13 straight scoring drives by the first team offense. They had that like five minute perfectly executed drive late in the second quarter, right before half against BYU. That's where a lot of my confidence is coming from. I just don't think that the Cougars are going to be able to match the efficiency of Oregon's offense. I don't know if they're going to score, you know, their first six straight drives of the game of this one, but it's it's demoralizing when you're you know you can't get stops and then your offense kind of presses a little bit to try and make up for hey our defense can't get stops we have to score every drive now and that's where the mistakes come from and that's kind of what i'm banking on Um, a little bit of oregon's offense just being so good for so long in this game that washington state tries to press here a little bit and they get burned for it
1: yeah we you know we talk about this being a show me game i think this is a show me game for the offense too yeah you know Mm -hmm. because you can look at it and say they didn't perform well at all obviously in the first game and then they came out and they performed really really good really really well i should say good grammar eric come on um in the next two games one of those is an fcs opponent another one is byu who we thought was I mean, I think I really think right now my confidence in the offense and Bo Nicks and everything is almost almost exclusively based upon the BYU game. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to take away from Eastern Washington. I know they scored a ton of points, they drove the ball a lot. That's impressive. If they if they had not done that, I probably wouldn't be as confident. It was good to see them stack two good offensive games back to back. But this Washington State's defense is, is the best defense Oregon has faced since Georgia, and Oregon did not perform well in that game. Now, that's why I think it's a show me game for the offense is we're obviously all expecting the offense to have enough success to, you know, to win you guys have them in the thirties. I have them in the, in the high twenties. We'll see Washington state's defense has been productive. I don't want to take too much mm-hmm. away from them. They've had some really impressive moments. We talk about, you know, I have Oregon running the ball effectively. Washington State's able to take some of that away, and it ends up becoming. I'm just trying to think of like the counter of it, of like you know what what could happen for Oregon to lose. It. It's it would be if Oregon can't run the ball, and then Bo Nix is forced to throw it on third and thirteen, and he forces a couple, and it's turned over, and and Washington State's in business. I, I, that's that's why I think this is a really big game to kind of prove that hey, the last two weekends those weren't the aberration. The aberration was the Georgia game, you know, or i do not even what to call it an aberration. That, that was just a game that's so hard to be impressive then because of what you're going against but now i i think you know I, for as good as the offense has been the last two weeks this is the biggest test so far and if they come out and they perform really well and shoot if you guys are closer to being right and they score in the 30s and maybe they even do a little bit more than that i think we're going to go into the stanford game and the arizona game thinking yeah, they should be five and one going into the bye week and they might not be tested that much the next two weeks i mean this to me feels like if working gets by washington state and, and can do it like, you guys are predicting two scores, I have it, you know, one score. I think you're going to have some confidence that they should go into the bye week with kind of two pretty impressive wins. I know Stanford has always become kind of a house of horrors, but I haven't been over the first game. That. game too. And it's a night, night game, so maybe it gets weird there. But that's a home game, and, you know, Oregon's been really good at home. I don't know if I see them losing at home. And then they go down to Arizona, who's much improved. But, you know, they still need to – all, all, all 60 minutes to hold off a, an FCS team, albeit the best FCS team last weekend. So I I think this game's going to tell us a lot. I really do. And I think if Oregon mm-hmm. comes out and performs like we're expecting, there should be optimism that they could get to five and one going into the bye week. And, and then you see where you're at when you play UCLA at home the week after.
0: Yeah. I just think I'm the, the last two weeks I've been so impressed with how Oregon's offense is able to just come out of the gates swinging. You know, that was not what we've seen the last couple of years here and the game script from Kenny Dillingham and company, they've gone out there and they they just run the ball down, down, a, down a team's throat, pass it wherever they need to do to get the ball into the end zone or at least get a field goal and put points on the board. Um, I'm going to counter Matt's idea of like their best defense is their offense or their best offense is their offense. Um, I, I think their defense needs to step up this game and give Oregon's offense as many opportunities to get into the end zone. I think if they turn the ball over, and Oregon gets an extra possession here or there, um, I'm pretty darn confident in the way this offense can roll and is pretty 50-50 in their splits of pass to run where um, I think it'll really not, not expose the Washington State defense because I do think that they have some very talented players there. But it will probably showcase how good this offense is because it's a good defense. I just think that Oregon's offense is going to be a lot better. And I think that if their defense steps up, then forces three and outs, forces quick drives from Washington State or turnovers, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's just going to be extremely beneficial and probably lead to a game where they do score in the 30s as compared to the 20s.
2: It's going to do it for us here on this podcast. Next time you hear from us, we'll be broadcasting from some press box room from Martin Stadium um, up in Pullman. All three of us will be at that game. So go to duckterritory.com all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, as we provide pregame, in-game, and postgame coverage. And then make sure to check out the podcast here on the Autzenauticals podcast.
1: Talk to you later, folks.
2: Peace.